0: A huge ACC Coastal Division matchup coming up for the Tar Heels this weekend when they travel to Miami Gardens to take on the two and two Hurricanes. Today, we got a crossover with Miami's Alex Dono to get right into it. You are Locked On Tar Heels, your daily podcast on the UNC Tar Heels, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It's Thursday, October 6th, 2022. Welcome into the Locked on Tar Heels podcast, the only daily North Carolina show out there. I'm your host, Isaac Shade, and I want to thank you for making Locked on Tar Heels your first listen or your first watch every single day. Please don't forget that the show is free and available anywhere you get podcasts, so make sure you subscribe right now to not miss a second of your team every day. Today's episode is brought to you by Upside. Download the free Upside app and use promo code LOCK to get $5 or more cash back on your first purchase of $10 or more. All right, folks, it's Thursday crossover, and I'm talking to Locked On Canes host, Alex Dono. Oh, man, folks, it's great to be doing some more Thursday crossovers as we're getting into ACC conference play for the Miami Hurricanes. They are kicking off their conference play first game after an off week. For the Tar Heels, it'll be their second ACC game after, frankly, obliterating Virginia Tech last week. It's so great. Uh, For those of you who don't know me, who are Miami people, I'm Isaac Shade, the host of Locked on Tar Heels. For you Tar Heels folks that don't know brother Alex over here, this is Alex Dono, the host of Locked on Canes. And it is great to be together, my man. Dude, I'm so glad to be able to do this with you because,
1: first of all, you do such an awesome job. and. Listen, I know I've been kind of sliding into your, your podcast, especially <laughs> this week to kind of get the scouting report. And I know some of my viewers and listeners have been doing the same. So, yes, I can't wait to get into it. And And Isaac, there's really storylines for these two teams heading into this matchup. I mean, my goodness. So I look at it from a Miami side, first of all. Uh, I'm having to talk people off of ledges every day, right? Because when when you got a Canes team that the, the last time we saw Miami play, they were losing by multiple touchdowns against middle Tennessee, who they were favored right. by 25 and a half points again, <laughs> heading into that one. So there, there are certain Canes fans who look at that and say, how how is Miami going to win a game again this year if they can't beat Middle Tennessee? Like so, but really the the big thing that Miami has to figure out, and I know they've been trying to figure this out during the bye week, is just how to get more stability from the passing offense. Like that that's been the big challenge for the Canes, where you know Tyler Van Dyke got benched last game. There was a that's little right. bit of, uh, and you know I think this was more fan and media created, uh, but a, a quarterback controversy, right? I mean, I don't think the coaching staff ever really wavered from Tyler Van Dyke, but there was a lot of speculation because Jake Garcia, he looked pretty good. with limited snaps with the Canes offense a couple of weeks ago, but they're sticking with Tyler, which I think is it's the mature decision. Keep some stability, give him the opportunity to try to work through some of his own issues and bring back some of that great form that he had last year. But it's been tough, Isaac, because he's adapting to a new – Offensive system, right? Going from you know, going from an up tempo spread to really a Big Ten style of offense. And he's not looked. He's not looked comfortable. He's been staring receivers down. He's been missing some wide receivers. Uh, you know, Miami has had a difficult time keeping wide receivers healthy. His favorite target, Xavier Restrepo, is going to be out for several more weeks. Jacoby George is going to be out for at least a few more weeks. So you know, the the best of the bunch recently have really been uh, Frank Ladson, who's starting to come on, former Clemson Tiger, yeah. and uh, and Keyshawn Smith, who I thought was maybe Miami's only like good player against Middle Tennessee. <laughs> he really stepped up and looked good in that game. Uh, so just finding some rhythm with that passing game, I, I think is the big thing for me, and, and how Tyler's going to handle it, because this is the most adversity he's faced since he became the starting quarterback of the Hurricanes, because you know, he's, he's made things look pretty easy. I mean, he lost his first couple of starts last year, including against North Carolina was a really close game. And then after that, it was just full speed ahead. Uh, You know, he did lose to Florida state, but he played great in the second half and, you know, six straight games, he was putting up video game type of numbers. And now a lot of the fan base has turned on Tyler and a lot of people were rooting for Jake Garcia to be named the starting quarterback. So this is, this is just a great opportunity for Tyler Van Dyke to try and win some of that fan base back
0: man that's so interesting and I, you and I were talking a couple of days ago and I love what you said to me that you thought this was a really mature coaching staff decision to bring back Tyler why do you think that is the case Alex
1: because I think when you start playing musical quarterbacks especially this <laughs> early in the year it just it it reeks of desperation and mm. We've had Miami coaches over the years that have done that. Like I I can remember, uh, you know, back in, uh, back in 2008 when Randy Shannon couldn't decide between Ja'Cory Harris and Robert Marv. And it was like, however he felt when he woke up that morning, who was going to start. And Mark Richt did it a few years ago, 2018, when he would just, uh, kind of pull the old quarterback shuffle between Malik Rozier, uh, and Nikosi Perry. And like, you know, People sometimes, Isaac, will talk about the quarterback position as if it's the same thing as benching a linebacker or benching a guard. And it's just not. Like, it's not, just yeah. quarterbacks are just a different breed. I think when you have your guy – I'm not going to say you should never bench a quarterback. Obviously, there are certain scenarios where it's right. appropriate. Right. But I think it's important when you've got you know a somewhat proven starter – to give them a little time to work through their issues. And also mm. I think if they had yanked Van Dyke and they did pull him out of a game, but to not start him is different. If they had decided not to start him, I don't think you can turn back. I think if you turn to Jake Garcia, he's got to be your guy. And then what if Jake struggles, do you try to switch back to Tyler? So I think he deserves this opportunity. And I think, uh, you know, hopefully it's not to the detriment of Miami's play on the field. Cause Tyler hasn't looked good the last couple of games, but I think it's the right decision by the staff to let him
0: try and work out these issues. Man, that's really good. Thank you for that explanation. Now, as that might the quarterback might be a little bit of a question mark for the Canes right now, it is uh, exponentially not for the Tar Heels. Drake may notice that absolutely <laughs> on fire. What's interesting, the big storyline for the Tar Heels is the current dichotomy between the offense and defense, whereas Drake May has now jumped up to, like, 11th in BetOnline's Heisman odds. Um, he has five total touchdowns in four of Carolina's first five games. The only quarterbacks with more in the ACC in the last 25 years, some dudes named Todd Boyd and Lamar Jackson, who we all might have heard of, right? And so um, while the offense is up to like, I believe they're sixth in the nation, seventh in the nation in total offense per game, the defense is the huge question mark uh, for this team. They uh, heading into the Virginia Tech game were 126th in division one out of 131 teams in defensive yards allowed Per game, and so while the Miami offense might be struggling, uh, it's week on week at this point. And so the question that Tar Heels are asking all over the country right now, from fans to media, is: Was what the Tar Heel defense did against Virginia Tech last week, holding them to ten points, the first time holding a team under twenty this year, the first time keeping a team scoreless for an entire half, was that a product of North Carolina taking some steps forward? Or was it a product of Virginia Tech's anemic offense, to put it kindly? My my take on it all week has been that it's somewhere in between. Clearly, the Tar Heels are taking some strides, moving along. But also, we can't count out the fact that Virginia Tech was uh, extremely weak on offense. And so the question then is, heading down to Miami Gardens, what is to be learned? Even though Miami has had their fair share of some, some offensive struggles, uh, to start this season. What what are we going to find out about this defense on the road? And I, I know last time the Tar Heels were down in Miami, it was um, not pretty, <laughs> shall we say. <laughs> uh, 62 to 26, Javante Williams, Michael Carter putting up more uh, rushing yards on the ground individually than Sam Howell did in the air, which was just stupid. Um, I know that was the case, but what is this going to look like as Miami is really working to see what we've got offensively while the Tar Heels are still trying to figure themselves out defensively. And so I think both these fan bases are really curious to see what happens on that side of the football. And you and I have even sent some texts back and forth about that this week.
1: Yeah. I've been wondering uh, who, cause something's got to give, right? You've got <laughs> an offense that's down bad versus a defense that's down bad. <laughs> I mean, that's probably where, where the game is going to be won or lost. Absolutely. And a stat you know, the stat, Isaac, that's, you know, been most troubling for Miami's offense, because for the most part, they've done a decent job moving the football between the 20s. It's once they get into the red zone and they haven't had any answers. Miami has failed to score touchdowns in 18 of their 21 red zone trips this year obviously you hope that's just one of these statistical aberrations that gets kind of worked out throughout the year, but it's, it's, it's been pretty ugly. And, and most of that was in the Texas A&M game where they were basically living in the red zone and just not doing anything <laughs> with it. All right. So, you know, that, that's yeah. one of those things where they've, they've just got to you know, in the red zone where everything tightens up, it, it's a sign of how much the passing game has struggled uh, when they just
0: can't find anyone open in the end zone. And interestingly enough, the numbers on that are crazy. I didn't realize that. North Carolina's offense is 18 for 20 in the red zone on touchdowns. 19 for 20 scoring. The only time that one where they didn't score was a kneel down at the end of the Florida A&M game. So um, of their own doing, they're one possession shy of perfection in the red zone. So those stats, that dichotomy is really interesting to me. Man, crazy stuff right there, Dono. I love it. We do want to get more into some of these key matchups, maybe these uh, the Carolina D against the Miami O. We'll look at that in just a second. But first, I want to tell you about Upside. From cringing at the pump to getting an eye-popping check at your favorite restaurant, inflation is hitting us all where it hurts, and Dono, it really hurts. Oh and that's why I, right? That's why I started using Upside, which is an incredible app for anyone who buys gas, groceries, or dines out. With every purchase, I'm earning cash back thanks to Upside. Now, hear me, Isaac, say I legitimately use this app every time I go to the gas pump. It saved me a ton of money this summer with the gas prices so crazily inflated. It really does work, and I promise you it's easy. So to get started, download the free Upside app, use our promo code LOCKED, and get $5 or more cash back on your first purchase of $10 or more. Next, claim an offer for whatever you're buying on Upside, Check in at the business, pay as usual with a credit or debit card, and get paid. In comparison to credit card rewards or loyalty programs, you can earn three times more cash back with Upside. Users are earning more than a million dollars every week, and that's probably why they have a 4.8 star rating on the App Store. So download the free Upside app and use promo code LOCKED to get $5 or more cash back on your first purchase of $10 or more. Again, that's $5 or more cash back on your first purchase of $10 or more using promo code LOCKED. All right, Mr. Dono, let's get into this. Some key matchups that we each believe are going to win this game for either team. Why don't you start? Well, man,
1: um, I'm tempted to go with something on Miami's offense, but knowing the formidable pass offense that Miami's going up against, I think the single most important player on the Miami hurricanes this weekend is going to be cornerback Tyreek Stevenson. Okay. He's Miami's best cover guy, all the experience in the world. He's got good size. You know, he's so big that sometimes people worry a little bit about his speed. I can imagine we're probably going to see a lot of Tyreek Stevenson on Josh Downs. Mm-hmm. And, you know, w- when I look at Miami's defense versus North Carolina's offense, it's one of those things, Isaac, where it's like, everyone knows North Carolina is going to score. I, I don't think anyone thinks Miami is going to do to UNC's offense like what UNC just did to Virginia Tech this past weekend. Like, you know, it's it's going to be, I think it's going to have to be a high scoring game for Miami to win. North Carolina is going to get their points and their yards, but yeah. Yeah. Miami needs to limit the catastrophic plays through the passing mm. game, right? Because yeah. you go back to middle Tennessee and North Carolina is better than middle Tennessee, uh, but they do run similar offenses and Miami was getting burned repeatedly in the passing game. They had Four plays given up yeah. of over 65 yards in the passing game. So uh, mm-hmm. I, th- I think the Hurricanes are going to change the way that they approach it from a coverage standpoint. I think they're going to be dropping more players back into coverage, playing more zone. I think it was a little bit arrogant how they thought they could just man up and be <laughs> fine. So I don't think we're going to see as much of that. But I do think someone like Tyreek Stevenson against Josh Downs, that to me – it could very well be the difference in winning or losing this game. Even if UNC scores a lot, if you can keep a couple Limit. of touchdowns off the board with good coverage, that gives Miami a chance. What do, what do you think for, for you guys? A good matchup? Yeah,
0: man, I, I agree with that. For for Carolina, because of what you said about the, the Tar Heels are going to score offensively, it's about, as you said, the limiting. I'm going to look at the defense. North Carolina's scheme is a 4-2-5 under Gene Chizik. Uh, the linebackers, Power Eccles and Cedric Gray, have been the model of consistency. One of the two of them has led the Tar Heels in tackles all five games. They've been top two on the team each of the last three. So I'm not looking at the linebackers it's the, the front four and then the secondary that's kind of been the downfall. And for me, it all starts up front with that defensive line. Why? I know Carolina's secondary has been much maligned, but I think a lot of that is the lack of pressure that the line has been able to get on the quarterback. And so what I'm really going to be watching for matchup-wise is just that entire front. Can the Tar Heels make Tyler Van Dyke uncomfortable in the backfield? Um, if they can then they might be able to do at least, like, do they have to do exactly what they did against Virginia Tech? No. Miami's offense, regardless of which guys back there playing quarterback, is going to be better than the Hokies. The poor Hokies are just so bad. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it's it's kind of what you said. It's that similar thing. Can they do enough to slow down the Canes on offense? Can they get enough pressure to at least cause some uncomfortability in the backfield to allow the secondary to do what they need to do, We saw some progression in the secondary last week, particularly from Tony Grimes. Um, my favorite name in all of college football, our other cornerback, Storm Duck, um, oh, has, has, has struggled a little bit this year and has been picked on. And so, I mean, like right out of the gate, Florida A&M of all teams just came out of the gate throwing at him play after play after play. And so that's somebody I'm watching to see how he continues to step up. Um, Carolina's got some of their secondary a little bit banged up. Some guys coming back, but won't be back on Saturday for this game. And so, um, again, a lot of scoring on the secondary. But for me, I'm watching the line. What can they do to enable the secondary to not have to guard in space for quite as long? Um, And so it's interesting there. We're both looking at some of those. Hey, we got to do some limiting, but ultimately, that it, it's not about stopping. It sounds like in this game, and that's going to lead to that high-scoring um, outcome that you talked about there, Dono. Yeah, and
1: and I'm glad you know you talked about uh, putting pressure on Tyler Van Dyke because also uh, this is going to be a pivotal game for Miami's offensive line. Um, in the first three games, they were looking a lot more physical than they did in 2021, and that's led to a lot of success with the ground game. I mean, you know, Miami, Mm. despite the fact they didn't get a whole lot of traction on the ground against Middle Tennessee, they were playing from behind for pretty much the entire game. But one of the better running teams in college football the first three weeks, and and those – uh, the, the the offensive linemen have really taken to the coaching of Mario Cristobal who's passionate about offensive line play and Alex Mirabal the O-line coach uh, they took a huge step back though against Middle Tennessee just a, a lot of guys just looked like they didn't get off the bus for that game so they need to return to that physicality I mean it was even last year it was a decent pass blocking unit the big difference has been the run blocking and so you know um, we'd all love to see at least. Down here, we'd love to see a bounce-back game for Tyler Van Dyke. But at the same time, we know Miami's offensive identity. They want to run to set up the pass. And if they can't do that, it's just going to put more pressure on Van Dyke. So it's, it's going to be really important for that offensive line to get into a rhythm early on because you know Miami's got some running backs who can go downhill pretty well. Henry Parrish uh, is, is a horse and Thaddeus Franklin, uh, is, is a real big guy, tough to take down 240 pounds. So, you know, Miami would love to establish that early. And it also, it takes precious time off the clock as well. Man, that's good stuff.
0: Well, all of that setup, folks leads us to be able to now get into talking about where we think this game is going to go predictions, scores, and just final recap of what Mr. Alex Dono and I are watching for. All right, so Dono, as we look at, I checked bet online just before we started recording, which is our main uh, betting sponsor here on the Locked On Network. When the line's open for this, Miami was favored by three. I had seen, I think it was Monday or Tuesday, the line moved to three and a half, but it's actually back to three now, interestingly enough. The over-under kicked off at 65 and a half and has bumped up to 66 and a half. I think the betting markets are seeing what you and I are, that this is probably gonna be a high-scoring affair. Uh, last year, I believe 45-42 there in Chapel Hill, which cleared that under that over very, very easily. And so uh, as you look at the, the outcome of this game, Mr. Alex Donnell, what do you see happening?
1: Yeah, I'll, I'll make full predictions because that's what we do. But the prediction I feel most comfortable with, what you were hinting at, uh, I think I like the over <laughs> in this game because, because again, like uh, – but Miami has showed some holes in the defensive secondary there. There are certain players that uh, the teams have made a habit out of picking on. Um, You're going to be looking for DJ Ivy out there. He's a guy who's been picked on quite a bit this year. Uh, And, you know, I'm kind of cautiously optimistic Miami's going to be able to find some points as well. So uh, this, you know, I, I think it's going to be a similar score to what we had last year. You know, I think maybe in, you know, home field advantage could maybe be the difference. Hopefully, you know, fans actually show up and go crazy because, you know, I I think for a conference game, I think they're going to show up. Uh, I'm going to go 42-41 Miami. I think it's going to be a game that comes out to, ironically, in a game of offense, it's going to come down to maybe a final stop I I think that's what we're going to see here and and I think that if if a big play needs to be made on defense on a final North Carolina drive it's probably going to come either from number 56 Leonard Taylor on that defensive line maybe a big sack or a big TFL or it could come from number zero James
0: Williams who is usually the playmaker in that safety group okay Man, that's great. And that's one thing I wanted to ask you. Let, let me go ahead and ask this is, are there any lasting ramifications from the hurricane down there in Miami? Yeah, not really on this side of the
1: state. It was, uh, okay. It's crazy because you drive like 100 miles to the other coast. And yeah, it was, it was really, really bad in like the Naples, Fort Myers area. Yeah. Yeah. Not, not, not really anything to speak of uh, down in, uh, in the southeastern
0: part of Florida. Okay, that's what I thought, but um, it triggered it when you were talking about the home field advantage. It just reminded me, I would wanted to ask you if the, if that was any effect on, on this week or, or there in Miami. Well, it so, could be
1: from this standpoint,
0: because I do have okay. to shout out, I, I
1: know a handful of awesome Canes fans who do drive over from that side of the oh, state, so... I don't know. We may have because I I know some of the best Canes fans I know live in the Fort Myers area and obviously completely understand if some of y'all can't make the trip over this weekend, if you're still, you know, literally repairing your your houses and your lives and all that. So it it could have a little effect from that standpoint, not so much from the locals, but Miami is a team that people do
0: travel from other parts of the state to see. Okay. Yes. Thoughts and prayers, man, to all those communities as they do that work of rebuilding. Um, For me, I'm right with you. I am taking the over without thinking about it on this game. I think we get up to a total somewhere in the 80s. Um, I, I very much agree with that. One thing I want to watch for is is we talked about Josh Downs already. One of the great things for the Tar Heels is a couple weeks ago against Notre Dame, Carolina got back their deep threat Antoine Green who had missed the beginning of the season uh, due to a collarbone injury suffered in preseason. Uh, Missed the first three games, but then Carolina had an off week came back against Notre Dame, had two touchdowns of over 60 yards and then had some more big plays last week. And so while there will be focus on Josh Downs, Um, I think a lot of taking the top off of it with Antoine Green also Carolina has been and I know Miami is a program that does this a lot but Carolina has been able to get their tight ends involved in a big way they have a guy to watch out for it's not the starting tight end which would be Kamari Morales but Bryson Nesbitt who is kind of a tight he is a tight end but he's this tight end wide receiver hybrid that's been coming into his own a little bit that Drake May loves to go to so watch for him. One of the things I'm really curious about, you you talked about some of that, the the run game for Miami, Carolina uh, came into the season looking at having a really strong running back room Uh, due to some injuries and other things. That room has shrunk down significantly to where most of the season, the starter has been true freshman Omarion Hampton, who wasn't even an early enrollee. He came in the summer, um, but just is an absolute stud. However, last week, Caleb Hood, who um, has been in the program for several years, got got the starting nod. So really curious to see what the Tar Heels do there. They did um, pick up over, it was like 170 on the ground against Virginia Tech, who was only allowing 80-something per game, which is stupid. Um, But that's going to be something to watch. Carolina has had a lot of success through the air, but what can they do on the ground? ultimately, I think it'll be enough. And I'm, it's funny, I was going to go with an absolute mirror score to last year, 45-42 again. But interestingly, uh, you talked about a defensive stop. While it's Carolina scoring tons of touchdowns, I'm actually going to go with a field goal to win this game as time expires. Just, you know, why not? It's college football. Yeah. And we don't... <laughs> so, um, but man, Dono and I are right there together in that 40-something range for both teams. And I think that is probably a, a very legitimate expectation for us to look at.
1: Yeah, and and I love it. Like, uh, man, it, it's crazy how like making predictions kind of part of our job. I hate doing it because I feel like I can never win. If I if I predict <laughs> Miami to lose, they get on me. If I predict Miami to win and they lose, you pushed us. You caused <laughs> this. So, oh man, well, well, let's hope for a tie. I know you can't tie yes. in
0: college football, but. Man. And then we wind up on old take cold takes exposed and it's it's a whole thing, man. But uh, man, it it really seems like what I think we've said it several times. I think the thing that we're all watching for is what happens when Miami has the football. As you said earlier, I think that is what ultimately decides the outcome of this game. Yeah, I agree. And, and Miami's gotten some decent injury
1: news this week. Uh, Their running back core, which has been affected by long-term injuries. The short-term injuries are looking okay because Henry Parrish and Jalen Knighton will both be fit to play as will on the defense Tyreek Stevenson, who I mentioned will be very important. And another corner, Daryl Porter, are both healthy enough to play. So that's going to be big. And hopefully, Isaac, we get through clean game, no injuries, because we never want to see that. And and may may the team that scores
0: the most points win. (laughs) You know, that's usually how this game works out, Alex Dono. (laughs) And let's be honest, this is a huge game for the Coastal. The division is wide open, it seems like. Team's taking some weird losses. Whoever wins this game probably has a really good leg up in the ACC Coastal. Amen to that. All right, we're going to see it all playing out at 4 p.m. Eastern time on Saturday. To you Canes fans, to you Tar Heels fans, thank you so much for tuning in. We can't wait to see a great game Saturday afternoon. That's it for today's episode of Locked on Tar Heels. Coming up tomorrow, Mr. Anthony Pagnotta joins me for our preview, the North Carolina full preview of this game. Please don't forget each week in October, we are doing a drawing as part of our drive for five. This week, you have an opportunity to win a free $10 Starbucks card. All you have to do is subscribe to our YouTube channel and let us know that you're in. We'll know that if you have a public account. Man, if you wanna follow the show on Twitter, you can do that at Locked on Heels. You can follow me at Isaac Shade. Get more on the ACC by making Locked on ACC your second listen of the day. Host Candace Cooper and the local experts of Locked On take you around the conference in 30 minutes, five days a week. Would love it if you would subscribe to the show, smash the like button, and leave some great comments on your thoughts. Really appreciate you hanging out with me on a Thursday talking about the Tar Heels, and I want to remind you that it is always a great day to be a Tar Heel. Until tomorrow, peace!